to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, amen. If you don't know who I am, my name is Cade Morrison. I am the associate pastor slash connections pastor. Uh, and so I, I'm pretty much the only pastor here today. Uh, and so that's not gonna happen very often. Some of them may be watching online. I don't know if they're in Dallas or where they're at at this point. We had a bunch of people go to the Freedom Conference in Florida, and Mark is gonna be launching some of that stuff coming soon, and so there was some training ground, and so Jeff is there. All of our pastoral staff is there. It's Melissa, Katie, and me, and then Miss P's over here too, and so, uh, and my wife's here, and so it's, uh, it's, and Jordan McCormick's over there with our, our preteen, and so we're a little bit gutted, but God's here, amen? Um, and so just anticipating what God's gonna speak and what God's gonna do uh, in this time. And so looking forward to the opportunity to be with you this morning. Uh, the challenge, once again, that, that, I, that we try to face is, um, I don't know what God's gonna say to this service. You know, we just did one, and so excited to see um, uh, in, in what he speaks uh, for this service. And so I'm gonna pray, and I'm just gonna ask the Lord right now, um, because I believe you're a different service than the first service. You know what I mean? And so Jeff's well-trained in this, and I'm not. Uh, I don't do this as much as him. And so I'm gonna pray that God would deposit things in me that would be specifically for you. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't just be on repeat. And so, uh, God, we just ask right now that you would, um, you would come and you would ignite the word in a different way, even though we're gonna go down the same trail, God, we just ask that there would be sweet things that happen within this time as we sit together and we break your word open. I believe any time that we, we look at scripture, God, you have something new to offer. And so thank you for everybody that came in this morning. We ask God that you would deposit anything that you need to, God, during this time in each of those that are sitting here before us today. Uh, we love you, Jesus, and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you got your scripture with you, um, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll be in verse 11. And I wanna, I wanna, I wanna kinda preface this that, you know, we're, we're kinda in this place right now in the world that is pretty interesting. Anybody else feel that way? Uh, I feel like it's, it's like something that won't leave at this point. Um, there's a lot of different misconceptions and there's a lot of things that are happening around us that, that are definitely interesting. And so I think anytime that's taking place, anytime we share God's word, it's super important, right? Uh, to pay attention to what God has said to his people. And so 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, but you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness and faith, love and endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called to when you were made, uh, when you made your good confession in the presence of my witnesses. This is a great charge that is to Timothy right here. And it's a great scripture that's an encouragement, not only for just Timothy, but, but for us today. If you know who Jesus is, we are, we are called to flee 
from sin and darkness, but we are also called to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, pursue love, endurance, and gentleness, and fight the good fight, right? And so I wanna define that. If you're looking for a sermon title today, this is where I wanna go, is what it means to fight the good fight. And I go back to, and I look at, the tension that we feel today in our society is very, very interesting. Um, And when it comes to fighting the good fight, that tension that's there, you cut it with a knife, right? On all people's different opinions, there can be so many things that you feel like you have to walk like this, right? Ooh, I don't wanna offend somebody, right? Society in that way is promoting that. And I wanna encourage you with this. If you confide in the truth, God will reveal himself through the truth. And so God's word is is absolute truth, amen? So if we can fight in it, God will reveal himself through it, okay? And so the safest place that you can be as a believer in a society that is cracking beneath us is to continue to stand in truth, right? Right? That's, That's a correct thing, okay? So that's the easy part. Everybody's like, yes, we believe the Bible. If you come here today, to some degree, you believe the Bible. You want to stand in truth. Yes, we want to do those things, okay? That's not the offensive side yet, all right? There are hard things about standing sometimes in the truth, right? There are difficult things. It sounds really good, and it sounds really awesome, okay? And what I mean by fight the good fight is evangelism is key. Jeff has been breaking down all kinds of things in the last four weeks. And there had, we have stirred the baptism waters every week over Easter uh, last week and then this week. And so we had one in the first. And so there's been all these crazy cool things happening in the area of salvation. And as I was sitting with this, this, this message and where I felt like I needed to go, I try to listen to what Jeff's doing and where he's headed. I think it's super important for us to also have a challenge for believers in the room today. Um, if you're lost today, you're gonna get a one-on-one lesson of what evangelism looks like to, to, to Cade Morrison, okay? If you're a believer today, I want you to be encouraged in this, okay? I want you to be encouraged. And part of fighting the good fight is not just fighting sin for the rest of your life um, and you having all these struggles for your whole life and being 80 years old and getting down to the 80-year-old, 90-year-old mark, however much God has laid aside in your days, You don't wanna be down that road and not ever get to lead somebody to Jesus. Most of us, if we don't grow, you get a, 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 when you you come to know Jesus, you get a get out of jail free card, amen? I call it the golden ticket, right? You get, when you get saved, you confess Jesus as Lord, that happens in you. That's your justification. There's nothing you could do to earn that, amen? You confessed him with your mouth, therefore the Holy Spirit came inside of you. You recognize what the cross was, what your sin was, and what Jesus did with it, and that he got up out of the grave, so that now you can walk as a son or a daughter of the king, right? That's an important step, but there's also the other step of sanctification. Sanctification is important. As a believer, God has called us Not everybody has the gift of evangelism, correct? But everybody is called to be evangelistic, okay? It's really important. Well, pastor, hold on. It's not really in my personality. Find the scripture that says that. Find it. And if you can find it where it says that, hey, this person's personality, they're they're just not, not set for that. 
Evangelism at its core is telling the story of what God did for you and in you and now wants to do through you. That's as simple as it gets. Evangelism, even if you don't know anything, you don't know anything about scripture, you don't know all the steps or any of those things. If you know that God saved you, you redeemed you, and you confessed him with your mouth, share your story with somebody if you don't have anything else to say, correct? So everybody has the opportunity to evangelize if you have accepted Christ as your savior because you now carry the testimony of Jesus Christ, amen? And when you share that, that word testimony literally means I wanna do it again. Ood, to do it again is what it means. And God will do those things again, okay? So it's important for us to see that and for us to know that I'm, I'm talking about fighting the good fight, not to just struggle with your own battles and get all the way over here and then here you die at 80 years old or 90 years old and you've never really lived for the gospel in those times. You got saved, you had an understanding of who Jesus is, but man, it was just a struggle and you never got to lead anybody to Jesus or any of those things. It doesn't take away your salvation, but I wanna tell you, one of the greatest joys on earth is to fight the good fight in the area of evangelism is to engage yourself in your discipleship, in the opportunity to grow in the knowledge of God's word and to move forward in that. It's super important. And God wants to use you in that way. And it's the blessed life. The thief on the cross never evangelized, did he? The thief on the cross went to heaven and said, hey, this dude on the middle of the cross said I could be here, right? That's the only theology he had, correct? Did it get him in? Yes, right? But there is, some people think, well, that's not fair. Well, you know what's not fair is that you also have the opportunity to live with the truth inside of you and live it in the years that God is going to give you and to make a difference in other people. And it is so rewarding if you will fall in love with Jesus and not just surrender to him, but you will walk with him. You will step with him. You will activate your faith in those things. So just as God invites the whole world to hear the gospel, he also invites those who have been transformed by it to be disciples, to change for others, to be an agent of change for others. God redeems you, not for you to just say, yes, 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 but for you to understand that I did this in you to get to someone else now. God wants to multiply what he does in you, amen? Those, y'all aren't with me, I guess. Amen. Alistair Begg says it this way. You don't need to be a pastor, a missionary, or an apostle to be used by God in spreading the gospel. Nor do you need to wait for all circumstances in your life to line up just as you want them to before you start talking about Jesus to people. Isn't that good news? That's good news that I don't have to have all my ducks in a row. Because some of you come here this morning and you ain't got no ducks in a row, right? <coughs> some of you came here this morning and somebody thumped your duck on the nose and it ain't no fun, right? And you're offended possibly, right? There's a lot of things that may have walked into this room today, but you don't have to have all of these qualifications and all of these things. All you have to do to be in evangelism with Jesus is to know who he is, to have a story. And it can start as simple as that and begin in conversations. But a lot of people never enter into that because they simply, I just, that's just not my thing. 
I just don't see that in scripture though. I know not everybody is the same personality. <coughs> not everybody is gifted in the same way. I get that. God distributes things differently, but I do believe that all of our lives, everybody in here has an opportunity to be an evangelistic in the steps that we take. And we should all be willing, because God said so, for us to share the gospel at any point, at any time in our life, and we should know some of those steps to do it. A lot of you, how many of you in here, you, there's, there's an offense some of you are like, I got this list, and I shared this in the first service. I got this list of the type of people that I'll share the, the gospel with. And then I have this list over here that nobody knows about, and I really don't want anybody to find out about. But there's this list over here that I'm, I'm not really interested in sharing the gospel with these people. Y'all, come on, you, everybody got that imaginary list? You do. You don't wake up like, hey, God, send me to my enemy today. Send me to that person. <laughs> we all have lists, okay? And we think, well, hey, I'll share here. Or you don't even have a list or you're not even thinking about those things, okay? And so the world is in massive tension right now. And what happens in this is that we are in a struggle, okay? And we've gotta see this and we gotta see the way that the Bible teaches, okay? And the way that it looks at evangelism, the way that it looks at the world. And so the Bible serves as a guide to teach us how to fight, amen? We believe that the Bible is God's word, God breathed, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, clear, and necessary. This statement is so true, but we also must be careful, okay, within this thought process. We, we gotta be careful. The Bible is not meant to be worshiped. It points to the one who is to be worshiped, right? Okay, so, and here's, here's the thing. In Christian culture, we have the tendency to stand on God's word but we don't surrender to his love for the lost world in the midst of that. So here, here's what I mean. <coughs> we have what I call political Christians. Hey, Jesus over here with the Republicans. Hey, no, Jesus over here with the Democrats. We got, we got this setting, correct? We got, we got this political viewpoint. Hey, you're the man, Daniel. So uh, we got this setting, right? I didn't call off the first service. I don't know what's going on. So we got this setting, and yes, we believe in standing in God's truth. We want to align ourselves in this world that we live in. We want to align it with God's word, amen? But at the same time, we cannot sacrifice God's love for people by saying, hey, you gotta come over here. And if you don't come over there, I'm not going over there. Those two things, Standing in God's word and God's love for people are meant to be married, not separated. Amen? They're not meant to be separated, okay? Because there are a lot of things that are going on in our minds as believers and as the church of how we need to handle things and how we need to come around to things. And you're worried about, well, I gotta stand in this and I gotta make sure that, that, that I stand right here, right? And I don't believe in that and so I'm almost afraid to approach that. I get that everybody's at different places. But once again, we go to the safe place and the safe place is God's word to stand in his truth. But also, I would like for you to take an opportunity to take steps into his love into the lost world. And that's what evangelism does. It doesn't stand proud in truth. It stands in truth with humility and therefore with an eye on how we can love. Because those two principles are married to each other. 
okay? And God intends that. We wanna stand strong in what God's word and the foundation of what it is. But if it does not stir us in love and compassion and to come over here and to move in it, then we're missing an element in those two things, right? Maybe it's the culture you were raised in. Maybe it's the way that your mom and dad taught you things. And maybe you come from a Christian background and those type of things. And you think, well, I just wanna stay right here in this bubble. And Jesus loves to pop bubbles. He just loves it, okay? He loves to do it, but he's a gentleman. It's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. So I want you to view things possibly in a different way today, because if you're going to evangelize, you can't stay with common ground people. You can't get in your your church huddles and be like, hey, we're awesome, the worship's incredible, all these things, and never approach the darkness. How do you know what is inside of you works if you never go there? How do you know that? And yes, this huddle over here, the holy huddle, yes, church and fellowship and being and growing in God's word, all of those things are meant to mature us. But also we can't stay on milk forever. We gotta go test the meat, right? And that's by action in our life. And so the Bible teaches this. And so we're not supposed to worship God's word to the point to where, hey, if I'm standing on God's word, I'm good. And I'm not going over there. no. Those two things, standing in God's word and moving into his love are meant to be married, okay? That's what God intends for us. So let me give you, let me give you a picture of what I'm trying to say in this, and I think it's important. And so I hope the picture is not offensive, but I want it to be challenging, okay? So let me give you this picture. It's like being put in a room. Imagine you get put in a room, okay? And in the entry of that room, there's one entry into that room. One by one, People start coming in that are not like you. Oh, some of you are like, heck no, I don't, I'm not going this way. I know where you're going. I know where you're going, right? They're not like you as a Christian, or maybe they're just not like you. Maybe you're not a believer yet today in the room, okay? So the first one that walks in is homeless. The second one that walks in is a murderer. I said this in the first service. How about those people that stand on the middle of the media and ask you for money? Those people drive me crazy, right? And they knock on the door and you don't know what they're doing. And then what's your first thought? Where's your money going to, right? All those things. You can ask, all my kids know when we pull up to that, dad be sweet, dad be sweet. I mean, it just sets me ablaze. And my father's sitting here, I get that from him. Um, and so he's, I get that from him. And so that, that would be a person, person on the media for me, median for me, all right? And so one of, the, one of those would be a murderer, okay? One of those is a prostitute that walks through. One of those is your enemy. One of those is possibly somebody that cheated on you. One of those is from somebody who stole from you. One of those is somebody that may have hurt you at some point. One of those is somebody that you're holding unforgiveness towards. One is possibly a homosexual. One is a transgender One is maybe self-righteous. One has opposing maybe political views. One is agnostic. One is a Jehovah Witness. One is a Buddhist. One's a porn addict. And they're coming one by one. One is a drug addict. One is an alcoholic. And as each person enters into the room of dark, enters into the room, darkness begins to overtake the light in the room until the room is so full of darkness that you can't see your hand in front of your face. At this point, you become so consumed 
offended and worried about the darkness that you lose the focus on what you were created to be, right? And in that room, that dark room, you hear a still, small voice whisper this. Cade, do this. Understand the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your sleep because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Oh man, y'all didn't get excited enough, man. Do I need to bring Batman in the back door for y'all to get excited about that, right? This is so good. Right here, here you are sitting in all of your offense and things that you, these, a lot of these people may on this list, you're like, I don't wanna evangelize to these people. And all of a sudden you're consumed in the same darkness and the enemy both has you trapped in one area and you forget who you're created to be, right? And so that still small voice is so important in areas of this. Hey, do this, understand the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your sleep because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light, church, right? Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to give into the flesh. Walk by faith and not by sight. Remember, I am the light of the world, amen? He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. I have created you to be the salt and light, Cade, in this world. Cade, let your light shine before all men so that they will see the gospel in you. Fight the good fight, amen? This to me is the awakening of evangelism in the believer's heart. You are the light bulb, okay? You are the light bulb in the room. Jesus flips the switch when we live out the gospel, no matter what position that we are in, even if it's offensive. See, that's a little more hard, right? Because if you, ha if you haven't paid attention, the world's getting dark. And you think, hey, this is unique times. We've never seen something like this. Have you ever read, the, have you ever read Daniel? Have you seen Babylon? We are, we're, History is just repeating itself because that's what sin does. It continues to drag people. But God, in the midst of that, somebody carries the gospel and the truth in the middle of that, right? And that's what we're called to do as believers in this time, okay? And that's what, that's what he's called us to do. You've been positioned in the places that you are for specific reasons, okay? And the gospel cannot be an optional thing. It can't be a byproduct of your life. It needs to be the source of your purpose. So a lot of people say, I wanna be evangelistic, but then you never do anything to approach that or get tools in that. And then you just think, well, it's somebody else's responsibility or I'll pray with somebody. And then you never get where you get to the point to where you lose yourself and the idea of it, but you don't ever get the tools in place for it. And so therefore you just sit with truth and you do nothing with it. What makes you any different than somebody else on the side except for the fact that you know the truth and you're doing nothing with it? God, God has called us to share what God has done in us. You don't have to be an evangelist, but you do have to be evangelistic. God has called you to share what he's done in you with other people. Some of you have been positioned in the positions that you are in specifically to make a difference. You are not just what they say you are. You don't just carry that title. First and foremost, if you are a believer, you are a son of the most high king. That is who you, you are a daughter of the most high king. 
And out of that identity should be the opportunity to multiply what God has done in you. He didn't go to the cross just to redeem you. He went to the cross to redeem you and to set you free so that you would walk towards others. That's what he's called us each to do in that. And so it can't be a byproduct. So let me ask you this question. Is, the, is Jesus's will for your life, is it optional every day? Or is it priority? Is it not? What is it? And you can ask yourself, am I evangelistic? As a believer, how long have you walked with Jesus? Am I evangelistic? Ask, ask yourself that question. And then look at the fruit that's in your life that shows that. And God will illuminate, and he won't illuminate and slap your wrist. It's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Amen? God loves you, and he wants to set your feet firm on what you need to do. So look at your life. Is Jesus an optional thing every day, and it's just something you do on Sunday? Or is he a part of your whole life? Okay? Is he a part of it? Is your relationship with Jesus, is it changing you? And here's the other thing. What is the last thing that the Holy Spirit told you to do and you obeyed it? What's the last thing he said? Hey, do this and you did it. Because if those steps are not taking place in your life, it's very hard to look at the darkness right in the face or look at somebody that's completely lost and have any kind of answers at that point. You're gonna get eaten up by fear. And see, God's word makes us bold. He tells Timothy, who is shy and timid and not like Paul, fight the good fight. You can almost like see the flex, right? Fight the good fight. Do it. Do it. Pursue righteousness, Timothy. Godliness. God is faithful. He's going to be there for you. It's almost like, oh, that flex. You know what I mean? Like, do it. Because God wants this to be a part of our life as Christians. We cannot be soft in this area of life. Share the gospel, church. Share it with people. Take the opportunity to share your story. Quit using disqualifications that the enemy uses. You know why he doesn't want you right there? Because sometimes it's, if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and me. Right? Right? If he can speak through a donkey, he can use you and me. And there's nothing better than disqualifying the enemy and going to hell's gates. And all I got's this God. And he pulls somebody from hell because of that. Oh man, that's so good. I'm throwing the rock right in the enemy's face after that. Because I ain't got nothing and you just got took. You know what I mean? All I got is Jesus, right? And it, man, it excites you. And there's growth there. And that's what's, that's what's so fun about that. And so let me, I'm gonna put three questions on the board, okay? And I wanna answer some things. Well, some of you are like, well, hold on, preacher. I don't know that I'm really called to do this. You're kind of wrapping me around into it, but why do we evangelize? Let's answer that question. Why do we evangelize? Here's, here's the first one. You ready? This is real revelatory because God said so. Let me, let's let that sink in because he said so. We can go through multiple different scriptures right now if you want to, but I love this one. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Woo, right? There's nothing more exciting than to know that what's in the inside of my chest can change the world. It can change the world. And I get to be a part of a bigger mission. That's why we evangelize. Because God said so. Go into the whole world and preach the gospel to all of the creation, okay? Second thing is, who is evangelism for? Who is it for? 
John 3, 16 says this, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So who is it for? The whole world. Is it for your little list over here? Yes. Is it for your list that you wanna talk about? Yes. Right? It's for the whole world. Every area. From here all the way to the ends of the earth. It's for the whole world, okay? For the lost, for the rejected, for the murder, for the addict, for the broken, for the self-righteous, for the transgender, for the homosexual, for the prideful man, for the prostitute, for people of all colors. It's for the whole world, church. Who is evangelism for? That's the simplest, that I can, simplest way that I can answer it right there. For the whole world. It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Third question, how do we evangelize? How do we do it? And you think, well, I don't, I've been walking with Jesus for a little while, but this area just makes me nervous. It's hard, it's difficult. And you, and you get into these things and you think, I, I don't know how to do this completely, right? And so I want you to go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if any was in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Golly, I struggle to read this verse. I didn't cry on the first side and not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, you listen in church, we are therefore Christ ambassadors as God through, or as through God, we're making his appeal through us. We implore on you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's just go home. We, we get stuck in these areas of life when it comes to evangelism, okay? We get stuck and we get bound, okay? One of the things that we get stuck in is we get offended by the things sometimes that God calls us to evangelize to, the people that he calls us to. We get stuck in that. What does verse 16 say? So from now on, we regard nobody from a worldly point of view. Anybody not guilty of that? I don't see any hands up. We get into these political conversations and we start talking about this, this, and this, and this, and we avoid what God's promises actually say. Some of these things may be true and they're in God's word and there needs to be some stance, but where's the movement out of these political conversations into walking in God's promises for the darkness? We gotta get out of that. God has called us to leave here, stand in the truth, know God's word, but he's also called us to walk out the promises. And God's word is full of going to the darkness. The word became flesh, right? The word became flesh. What does that mean? Jesus came and dwelt among us, right? He came and dwelt among us. Where was Jesus hanging out with? Did he have all just holy huddles? Who was he hanging out with? The worst of the worst, right? 
He was going to the darkness. Because standing in the truth matters. But walking in love with it matters just as much. Amen? And walking to those people and continuing to fight for what's right, but not ever sacrifice love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. How about these political conversations that happen? Is there no anger in that? It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Amen? That's what God has called each of us to do. And so in that evangelism, we are made ambassadors. When you come to know Christ, he has reconciled himself to you. And therefore, he has implored on you to go make a difference in someone else. It's in the core principles of who we are as a church, to make a difference. You have been given that. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has cut little pieces of heaven out all over the earth for you to step into. And you know what takes you there a lot of times is evangelism, compassion, all the things that God calls us to do, amen? So three key things I didn't write these on the board, but three really important details in evangelism that are super important. How many of you, when God calls you to speak to somebody, all you're thinking about is everything that I'm gonna say? And it makes you super nervous. And you go on YouTube and you're watching all the little things that you're supposed to do. Ain't nobody do that? Nobody gets on Google, how to evangelize and how do we do those things? Let me let you know a secret. God knows all of that, okay? and you feel unqualified, and you're you're trying to figure out, and you get so consumed in what you're gonna say, you forget forget what God's word says. Let me tell you a real key key thing, three key things. If, If God calls you to speak to someone on his behalf, you better do a whole lot of listening and not a lot of talking. Come on, I'm telling you. You wanna be set free, set at that table knowing I don't have to say anything. God can say it all. That's complete trust. The Bible says to be what? To be quick to listen, slow to speak is what James 1.19 says. In a society where speaking is happening all over the world and everybody is wanting to be heard, how much are you listening? If your kid's rebelling against you, when's the last time you sat down and you listened to him? Or you listened to him? The value of listening will propel all kinds of things in the Holy Spirit. If you'll listen to somebody, and stop worrying about what you're gonna say, God will provide the words if you'll listen. It's the most incredible thing when you sit down at the table and you get so focused on listening, and then when it's your turn and God gets to deliver something, if he gives you that opportunity, and you throw it up and you're like, where the heck did that come from? It's called the Holy Spirit. You're in relationship with him. He speaks to his people, does he not? My sheep hear my voice, okay? So listen, that's the first key. If you're gonna evangelize to somebody, listen. Value listening above speaking, okay? Do you need training? For sure. Research, do those things. Get near to somebody that has done it. Yes, you want some training in those things. You need to know scripture, for sure. But at, but at the, the core of it, listen and share your story if that's all that you can offer because everything in Christ is enough, amen? It's enough. 
Second thing, ask questions. Jesus walked into so many situations and he did not make statements. He asked questions first. It's so good because we would rather go and try to make somebody feel or prove something to somebody. And Jesus doesn't need you to flex. He doesn't need you to flex in evangelism. He did that over 2,000 years ago when he went to the cross for you. And he flexed when he came up out of the grave, amen? He doesn't need us to do that. Ask questions, humble yourself. Be curious of why they are in the spot that they are. Ask questions like this. Give me, what's your religious background? Tell me what you come from. They'll throw it up. Hey, here's another question. Who is Jesus to you? So many times when I ask people that question, you know what they do? Well, my grandma raised me in church and they did this and this. And and then, you know, I went to this church and I went to this church. You know what an evangelist is doing? Hallelujah. They don't know who Christ is. Because if you go to church and you, and you start telling your church story and there's never a surrender to Jesus in any of that story, then you're lost. Because I know exactly, you asked me that question. Who is Jesus? I'll answer the same way that Peter answered. He's the Lord. He's the son of God. He's my Messiah. That's who he is. And if we will ask questions and humble ourselves, people will throw up. You're like, literally? They'll throw up and what they give out on the table, you get to sort through with God's scripture and the Holy Spirit in that. And here's your next requirement. Obey. You obey what he gives. Just obey it. So those three things, listen. Be quick to listen, okay? Slow to speak. Ask questions. Obey, okay? Don't get all worked up about everything and being qualified and everything else. God can use you right where you are, right? Some of faith's greatest, greatest action is feasting on biblical truth and living that out, amen? You wanna grow as a believer? Feast on God's word and live it out. And it takes faith to do that. It's difficult and it's hard sometimes, right? So three other things that I wanna give you real quick. Mark chapter four, okay? Mark chapter four, verse 35. I want you to be able to see this for a little bit. And I want you to see what Jesus does right here that's super cool. There's three different, as you turn there, there's three different types of evangelism that I wanna focus on. You can look up multiple different ones. Different pastors preach different things. These are three key ones that I think all of us need as believers to be able to maybe just start, just really start trying to do this in our lives. And, it, and there's, there's different ways to do it, okay? So the first would be this, positional evangelism. These will pop up hopefully on the screen. The second one would be direct evangelism. And the third would be seed planting evangelism. And so there's a story in Mark chapter four right here where Jesus shows us how to do this in the flesh right here, okay? He shows us what that looks like. In verse 35 of Mark four, this is where Jesus is, 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 is about to walk across, okay? I mean, not walk across, they're about to get on a boat and go across and there's a storm that's about to hit, okay? And so I wanna read this real quick and then I'm gonna give you these three that will apply to your life. That day when Jesus, or that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. 
There was also other boats with him and a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. He's awesome, isn't he? He's sleeping and these guys are panicking, right? The disciples woke up, woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care that if we, if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Okay, a couple of things that I want, I want you to see right here. Not all storms that come are just about you. Sometimes storms that come, maybe your direction or any of those things, are coming because they are also trying to prevent the gospel from moving forward to someone else. Why do you think this storm is happening right here? I've heard this passage preached multiple different ways. I've heard it, a lot of people saying that God's calling us to get up and rebuke the wind and the waves and do those things. I, I don't see it that way. I'm not coming against anybody else. I, I think right here, Jesus makes a decision to position himself across the shoreline for someone else that the disciples cannot see. And he says one thing, we're going to the other side. So everything competes with that one phrase, right? The storm hits, the disciples are panicking, all those things. What is Jesus doing? This is positional evangelism, okay? He is positioning himself to make a difference in someone else on the other side, all the while he's making a difference with what's, who's right in front of him, which are his disciples, okay? On the other side of the shore, when they come to shore, did you know that there is a guy that is demon possessed? possessed? He has shook the whole countryside on the other side. They, they don't know what to do him. He is now in the caves, stripped naked, cutting himself, yelling, screaming. He, they've, they've completely banned him from society. And when they come to the shoreline, Jesus has positioned himself for this. And when they come to the shoreline, here comes the naked guy that's been cutting himself. And I wanna tell you this, if I'm those disciples, my first reaction is, Jesus, you better get the harpoon gun and take that dude out, right? You better kill him. That, I don't know what that is, but that can't ever be okay, right? Woo. How many of you are looking at people like that? I don't know what that is, God. I don't think that can be right or okay. Or there, Do you believe in the full redemption of Jesus Christ? He can look at the craziest person, the most perverted person. He can look at them and he can command the winds and the waves in them. He can do it, church. That's who he is. That's his nature. He can make all things that are completely lost and wandering and all hopeless things, he can make them come back to life with one spoken word to their heart. That's who he is. And you know what? He went to the cross, he died, he resurrected, and he went to heaven. You know what he did? He left it behind to us. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is inside your chest. Do not sell yourself out, church, to look at somebody and to say, there's no hope in that person. You need to just kill them. They're gonna ruin everything. Woo, stand in truth, but know the promises, who God is. See that person the way God sees them. Because remember, one too long ago, you were lost and you were in your own filth. And just because you didn't get that filthy or what you consider to be filthy does not mean that they don't deserve the same gospel that you have inside your chest. Woo, we ought to be running to the shorelines right now. 
I don't care if they're naked. I don't care if they're messed up. They don't have an identity. They don't know how to identify themselves. The church needs to find a way to love them. You need to find a way to love lost people, no matter what form they come in. Because grabbing the harpoon gun and killing them ain't gonna do nothing, okay? Jesus knows what to do. Get out of the boat and move, right? Position yourself for the gospel. And then you get to see direct evangelism. Jesus goes right to this guy and he sets him free. And he casts the, the demons out of him and he puts them in the swine. That's direct evangelism. Sometimes God calls you to just write at them. Share it right now. Sometimes you, positional evangelism, sometimes you have to position yourself next to them, build a relationship and do those things. And then sometimes he calls you directly to get it. Let's get it right, right now. And it's awesome and it's incredible. And then in the, in the end of this passage, if you go and read this yourself, everybody on the countryside, when he sets him free, everybody is ticked off trying to get rid of Jesus. They want him back on the boat and they want him gone. The swine have been run off the cliff because you know what the enemy will do if your life, you don't surrender to Jesus? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy and run you off the cliff. Woo, but if the church will wake up, can we go to the cliff? His arm is not too short to save, right? We grab people. Come on, before you get to that point, come on. There's a savior. He's good and he's right and he can make all things new in you, right? And that's exactly what takes place for this man. He gets put in his right mind. I don't know in this story if he actually, Jesus just made clothes appear on him or he's still butt naked right here. I, I wanna ask Jesus questions like that, right? I wanna know. How is that not awkward? You know what I mean? But whatever he does, he makes him whole and he gives him his dignity back. So to me, that comes with what Jesus thinks that he needs in that moment. And here's the greatest part about this. That man says, let me go with you. I wanna get in the boat with you. Don't make me go back there. Woo, and Jesus looks at him and says, you're not going with me. You go back there. That's seed planting. See, if we will position ourselves, we will be direct with the truth. We will plant seeds. When somebody comes to know the Lord and it sends them back, the multiplication starts to happen and the generational curses start to break because the gospel is the most real thing to ever touch the earth. So I need to remind you, the word became flesh. We should hash it out. We should do the very same thing that Jesus has called us to do. Question to ask yourself, and I'll end on this. Do you understand the position in your life that God has given you. All of you are doing something with your life. You've been positioned for something. The evangelism of your home is most important, men. Are you the head of your home? Do you know Christ right now yourself? Are you running from him? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, you cannot run your home without Jesus. You can, you can put a good attempt to it. You can give him all the things in the world. But I'm telling you, if you don't know who Christ is, it's hard to run your home in the way that God has called you to. God has given you a position at work, in the community, in the things around you. And are you using it to advance the gospel? Are you sitting next to the person? Man, that person at the ball game is awful. You know what you should be thinking? Hey, 
I wonder how I can go sit next to them. How can I position myself around them? That's what the gospel does. It changes us. Amen? It's in you. I want to encourage you, church. If you know who Christ is, it is in you. Sit down and have conversations with people. Don't run from the darkness. Don't harmonize with it. Woo, but be the light bulb in the room. Be the light bulb in the room. Be the one thing that makes them think, what is going on with that person? And your life poses a question in a way that they come to you. That is what he's called us to do. Let me pray. God, we come. I don't know when the last time, maybe this crowd of people, some of them may not even know who you are. I don't know if somebody in the room today is lost. I know some of them may feel it right in the middle of their chest. I don't know who this Jesus is. I don't know about a guy that can make all things new. And God, if their heart is beating out of their chest, I pray that they would come and they would receive ministry this morning and they would come forward for whatever you're calling to do, even if they don't even know what that fully is. But I also pray for the believers, the church in the room, that we would realize that we are alive for such a time as this right now. That God, you have given us everything we need, everything we need to be able to walk out into this world and to make a difference in it. But God, I do know that your word says that you desire a broken and contrite heart. When's the last time we as believers, as individuals wept for the lost world that's around us. I think we've angered against it. I think we've had conversations against it. I think we're worried about it. But has it pushed us to the point to where it put us on our face again? Has it pushed us to the point where we've laid on our face and we said, God, I don't, I don't know everybody. I can't fix the whole world, but I have a semicircle that's around me at work every day. And I pray for this person by name. God, give me an opportunity to position myself around them and to be able to share the gospel with them. Break the church, break the church's heart once again for the lost world around us. The world is falling, but your church is gonna rise. And I wanna be a part of that, Jesus. And so anybody today that needs to just repent and say, God, I'm sorry. This altar's open. I'm sorry, God, I have not focused on this. I've been walking with you for a long time and I have not applied this to my life. Pray you minister to those people. Anybody that needs to come to know the Lord today, God, we ask that you bring them. And anybody, God, that just needs to process this and walk out of here and, and, and think more about this, God, I pray that you set it, set it on them all week long. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You respond accordingly. Our ministry teams will be here. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.